Well, how are you doing this morning? Good, good. It's only day two of the new year. Hopefully things aren't too far off the rails at this point. Uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. If uh, you're visiting, I've never had the chance to meet you before. My name is Chris Massey. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're just honored that you'd come to worship with us this morning and spend this time together, uh, kicking off what is going to be a new year. Woo! And, you know, I sense a little bit of uh, caution. <laughs> sense a little bit of caution in there, and I get that. Uh, you know, we've been through a lot in the last couple of years, and uh, I think it's wise at this point to maybe be a little cautious as we go into the next year. Uh, we had seen a, a meme on Facebook that said, no one claimed this is your year. Walk in quietly, sit down, and don't touch a thing. Because we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot in the last couple of years, but God is still good. He's still faithful. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of looking at uh, the end of last year is coming up into this year, and I got to admit, the older I get, I'm not really that excited about the new year. It's like, whoo, it's another, I'm going to have to remember to write a different date now. That's exciting. So three weeks from now, I'll be writing 2021 still, but hopefully I'll get it. My son was really excited because he realized the other night that on February 22nd, the date will be 2-22-22. Made him really happy. So some of you are like, yeah, me too. I was really happy about that. But you know, there seems to be a great deal of caution bordering on the line of pessimism going into this new year. You know, coming off to 2019, I think for most of us in our lives, we always had this excitement, this anticipation, if you will, of what the new year is going to bring. And then 2020 happened and we went through a global pandemic. That wasn't really fun. And then we're like, okay, well, you know what? 2020 was not that great, but 2021, that's going to be a better year. <laughs> and so I feel like at this point, we're, we're like, okay, it's 2022. I don't know that I have any hope for this to be a good year. Let's just hope it's not worse than the last two years. And you know, that, that's kind of a shame uh, because the reality of it is, is it's brought us to a place where we're struggling to believe with hope for the things of the future. I mean, that's, that's what we're faced with right now. We've been kind of beat up a little bit over the last couple of years, and now we're just like, oh, I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm going to be very, a little pessimistic, a little cautious here. I'm just not so certain that this is going to be a great year. My year started amazing. Yesterday, January 1st, my sump pump broke and my basement flooded. Praise Jesus. That's awesome. No, it wasn't terrible. It really, we, Jess caught it very early, <clears throat> and we changed the sump pump. It was not a big deal. But it's going to be a good year, not because the date changed, not because it's an, another year on the calendar, not because it's January 1st, but because I sense in us this point in our lives where we're just like, you know what, I'm ready for God to do something. We've been through a lot. We've suffered through a lot. And we're going to talk a little bit about suffering this morning because I'm believing God to make this a radical year. To do something radical this year. Now, I know maybe the word radical is a little frightening to you because one of the first things that comes to our thinking is probably like radical Islam, and that's probably not such a good thing, right? So we're not talking about being radical in the sense of, of harming ourselves, but really this idea of being radical in the sense of uh, we're going all out and all in for the things that matter most to us, and hopefully that would be your relationship with God, with Jesus. And, and, and to make this a radical year in which you believe for some exciting things to take place. We're going to talk about the suffering that it takes to get there. How many of you love to suffer? Good. 
we don't enjoy suffering whatsoever. But there's this idea of suffering that is in 1 Peter that I really want to just explain to you really quick uh, before we jump into chapter 4 this morning. Because Peter is talking and he's, he's saying, listen, you've got to understand that you can suffer for one of two things. You can suffer for doing something bad. And he goes, that's not really that good. If you do the wrong thing and you end up going to jail or getting punished or people hate you or harm you because you've done something bad, then it's, it's kind of just. But you got what was coming to you. But on the flip side of things, he says, you could be punished and, and be hated, discredited for doing that which is good. And he says, and, if, and for people of God, this should be your number one goal to say, if I'm going to be hated, if I'm going to suffer in my body and in my life, I want it to be for the sake of giving glory and honor to God. But here's the problem. None of us in here like to suffer. We just had, I mean, we did a poll in here and nobody raised their hand. So where do we end up staying? We don't want to be over here where we're suffering for doing bad, and we don't really want to get to this point over here of suffering for doing good, so we say, I'm just going to stay right here in the middle where it's nice and comfortable. I'm not going to do anything too bad, and I'm not going to push myself to do anything too good. I'm just going to stay right here where it's nice and easy, comfortable. But then we get this from 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to read this morning talking about suffering. And it says that since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You will have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness, their wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everything both living and dead. That is why the good news was preached so that those who are now dead, so although they were just destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. He talks about suffering, but also talks a little bit about some of the things that are going on in the world. He says, basically, you're over it. You're done with it. And what is the things that he lists? Partying, drinking, uh, worship of idols, uh, lewdness, lust, all of those kind of things. I, I found it interesting. I saw an article the other day that said January, uh, the month of January typically has the lowest number of alcohol sales of any time of the year because everybody's in the new year and they're thinking to themselves, you know what, this is the year where I'm going to quit drinking. But they don't because it goes right back. It's also the time of the year where the most uh, slim fast is sold. Everybody's like, I'm going to get healthy. This, this is the year of, the, of good looking me. But we make resolutions, right? And we just keep doing these things. But we're not talking about just kind of pushing past those things. But the idea of coming to the place of just being absolutely fed up with where things are at in our world. And this is the point that he's trying to drive home right here. He says, you've got to come to a point in your life of being fed up with the world around you so that you can be, become most effective and useful for the things that God has in store for you. Now, if you struggle to be fed up with this life, I encourage you, get a Facebook account. If that doesn't work, you could try Instagram or watch the local news. 
And how often do we see things that we're watching and we're, how can this be? How can people treat other people this way? How can people think this way or do these things or respond in these ways? How can we be so divided and divisive in everything that's going on in our lives? And, and can I just be honest? The more I look at it, the more I look at the brokenness of everything around us, I'm just like, man, I am fed up. I've had enough of it. I'm tired of all the brokenness. I'm tired of all the, the backbiting and fighting and division and, and frustration. And, and you can't have a conversation with anybody without it turning south. You've got to have, uh, be very careful about the topics that you select around every single person. We've got to walk on eggshells because if I bring up this, it's going to start a fight. If they bring up that, it's going to start a fight. Oh, well, we can't stand for this. If that person's over there is doing something that is unbiblical or unscriptural, I can't say anything because i just got to be quiet. Can I tell you, I'm fed up with it. What do they tell us? And it's something we've been hedged into for years and years. Don't make waves. Don't talk about God at work because that just disrupts the workplace and there's, there's no time for God in the workplace. Maybe you've had family members. Hey, I don't want to hear about your God stuff, okay? Just, you know, it's fine that that's your thing, but I don't want to hear about it. And time and time again, we're hedged into this place of choosing not suffering for wrong, not suffering for good, just somewhere here in the middle that's nice and comfortable. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to frustrate anybody. Now, some of you, I've seen your Facebook accounts, you love to frustrate people. You get a kick out of it. I get that. I do. But it's more than just being willing to go out. And as he said in the previous chapter, if you go and read the, the rest of this book later, in chapter 3, he talks about how important it is that everything we do, we do with love and a, and a compassionate heart. That it's not about standing up and being able to say, I'm just fed up with all of you. But reaching a point where we look around the world that we're in and saying, I'm fed up with it, to bring me to the place of realizing that it's not what matters most. You know, that's hard for us to believe in the world that we live in today, but the world that we live in right now, the time that we're experiencing does not matter most. In fact, it's hard for us to grasp that even if you live for 100 years in this lifetime, all right, anybody know who anybody who lived 100 years old? I got the privilege a couple years ago of going to a lady, her 100th birthday party, and uh, I was on a diet at the time because it's early in the year, you know? And uh, they're like, do you want to have a piece of cake? And I was like, if ever there was a time to have a piece of cake, it's at somebody's 100th birthday party. So I, I did. But even if you live 100 years in this world, you're still going to finally pass from our existence here and enter into eternity. And only then and in that moment will you fully comprehend how important that time was compared to this one. But in the place of that, we come to this place of saying, I want to become fed up with the things of this world so that I can begin to put my eyes on the things of God because God wants us to be a little different. Can I tell you that the Jesus inside of you should make people a little uncomfortable? Now that's radical right? We don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but the Jesus inside of you should make people feel a little bit uncomfortable because it should challenge them to think differently, talk differently, act differently. I, I did construction for years, um, and I was a pastor at the same time. I, I always tell people there's nothing you can say or do that I haven't seen or heard before because construction is rough. But people would find out that guy's a pastor, and they'd be like, oh, don't talk that way around the preacher, I, get, I would honestly get annoyed with that. I'm like, does that really help you to talk differently around me than anybody else? 
But there is a difference because people have respect for the fact that if, if God is inside somebody and he's working in their lives, you should be different. And that difference should challenge people. And listen, if it doesn't, and you're living in just this comfortable area where I'm not willing to suffer to be too godly, and I'm definitely not going to suffer to do something ungodly, but I just want to be here and be comfortable, then you're not going to challenge people. And getting a hold of this is so important for us in this radical idea of living for God in a way that we've never done before. Then he says here in verses 4 and 5, it says, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. They write Facebook posts about you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both living and the dead. When God gets a hold of your life, something inside of you changes. Something inside of you finally clicks together and you say, you know what, I'm not who I used to be. I don't want to be on the path towards where I was before. I want to be changed up so that I can be what God has called me to be. And when you do that, you're going to seem radical to the world around you. When you decide, I'm going to abstain from these things or not partake in this or I don't watch these kind of movies or I don't go these kind of places or I don't listen to this kind of music or I don't drink these kind of things or smoke these kind of, whatever that looks like. When you make those decisions, people will look at you and they'll be like, well, come on, all right? And then what's the next thing that they do? They start to slander you. Oh, the holier than thou. Oh, you're the, the, the saint over there, right? The saved, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, I didn't know we were in the presence of a saint. Or they'll write a Facebook post about you in some way referencing you in a way without saying your name. I was around a family member this week that thinks they're so righteous. And then that family member reads that and they go, I know who they're talking about. And listen, I get it. I've joked about it before. We all know somebody who's too saved right? You can't have a conversation with them without them bringing up something about Jesus. And we think that that's a bad thing. But the reality is that Jesus should be in us so much and we should become so fed up with the world around us that we become changed into the image of God and just begin to show him to the world around us 24-7. You should be speaking the gospel, teaching people about Jesus 24-7. You know what? It should challenge your friends. But what do we, we don't want to make it weird, Right? How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hands, this is rhetorical, how many of you in your lives have met somebody or you had a friend or something like that and you've thought to yourself, I would love to invite this person to church or tell them about Jesus, but I don't want to make it weird. If I did, that might change our relationship. Maybe they would think differently of me if I invited them to church or maybe if they said no, I would think differently of them and I don't want to make our relationship weird. Or maybe it's with a family member, maybe it's with a coworker, maybe it's somebody that you interact with. But listen, when you become changed up and get a hold of what God has for you and you say, listen, I'm willing to be radical for Jesus and this is the punishment that he's talking about. I'm willing to make myself a little uncomfortable over here so that I can give glory to God with my life. I'm willing to look a little different from the rest of the people in this world because God is worth that to me. And because my eyes are fixed on something that the rest of the world isn't seeing. And this is how we, what he talks about right here. Verse 6. He says, this is the reason we preach the good news to those who are now dead. Because although they were destined to die, like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Peter is making very apparent here that there is an aspect of life that is more meaningful than any other. 
It's your early 20s. No, it's your mid-40s. It's those golden years in your 60s. No. He says it's eternity. Eternity is what matters most. You know, I've said before, my my father-in-law, he has, since I've known him, said he wants to live to be 100 years old. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to live to be 100 years old. Maybe if I can do that and be healthy, but I don't want to be 100 years old with aches and pains. So I was told earlier, the only way to avoid that is to die now. (laughs) I don't really want to do that either. (laughs) But you know, we put so much emphasis on this lifetime. And you know, the average lifespan right now, I think for women is 78, for men it's 76. That's the average lifespan. And if we're going by averages here, you might have We'll give, you, we'll give you a bigger number. We'll say you might have 80 years on this planet. And we get so hung up on those 80 years. I want to make sure that they're this and that they're full of this and have this and all that and all of these things. But the reality is that after those 80 years, no matter who you are, you are going to slip into eternity. A place where time doesn't even exist. And 80 years in eternity is nothing. 100 years, 1,000 years, 10,000 years in eternity is nothing. But it's a difficult perspective for us because this is the only life I know. This is the only life I know. The people I'm surrounded with are the only thing I know. This world that I'm living in, the job that I have, or the bills that I have, or the family that I have, the, all, this is the only thing that I know, and this is what I have to struggle against. This is what I have to work through. As I look at where we're at right now, kind of as in our world, I just get a sense that there are so many people who are just kind of fed up with all of it. I'm just sick of it. I want to put my eyes on something eternal. I want to fix my eyes on something eternal and stop being so focused on the here and now. Because this here and now, as the book of James says, It is here today and gone tomorrow. For some of you in here, I've heard your stories. I remember being your age, preacher. Oh, what I wouldn't give to be 30 again. I remember being 20, 15. You blink and a lifetime can pass you by. And you look back and for so many the reality of the places you've invested in, the things you've invested in for that lifetime, it comes to a point where it's just like, it's all meaningless. But when we fix our eyes on eternity, and even in our 20s or our 30s, our 50s, 60s, 70s, Lord willing, our 80s, 90s, begin to say, I am gonna put my eyes on eternity. I'm gonna live a life that may cause me to suffer just a little bit for Jesus. And that suffering, you know, what does that look like? Well, it's, it's maybe I lose a little bit of sleep so I can read my Bible or pray a little bit. I give up a night or a Sunday morning to go help in kids ministry or a Wednesday night to help in youth ministry or I give up a night of the week to lead a small group or go to a life group. I'm going to suffer a little bit. I'm going to make a decision because even though I am pressed on every side and I've got a million things demanding my time and attention, I know that in the end, they're not eternal and they don't matter. What really matters is Jesus. 
I was so challenged, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, by a devotional that I read by Dick Brogdon. And he said, I see no difference between an atheist and a nominal Christian. What's a nominal Christian? That's somebody who says, oh yeah, I believe in God, I go to church. But they're not living their lives for Jesus, not in a way that would seem radical to most. He says that's nominal Christianity, and he goes, the reality is there's no difference between that and just being an outright atheist and saying, I don't believe in God at all. What a challenging thought. Church, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you scroll Facebook and you shake your head and you say they need Jesus. Maybe you hear stories in your own community or your own family or your own workplace and you shake your head and you're like, man, they need Jesus. You watch the news and you think, see things that you just can't, it's, how is this even real? And you think, man, they need Jesus. It's just about the right place and just about fed up enough to say, God, fix my eyes on eternity. Fix my eyes on what really matters because I've had enough of this world and I I don't want any more of the things that they're doing. Maybe for some of you in here, you can relate even as Peter said, you've already done enough of the evil things of this world. You tried the drunkenness and the parties and you tried the the lust and everything else. You, You tried that stuff and you came to realize just how empty it is. But his warning was this. He goes, ultimately, we all come to the place of realizing the only thing that matters is eternity. It's a long time, church. And it's not just my eternity. It's not just your eternity. It's the people in our region who don't know Jesus at all because they have an eternity also. You know, the people who are atheists, who hate God, they're eternal. The people that you work with, that you're told don't bring up God because it's going to make things uncomfortable, they're eternal. Your family members who wish you would stop talking about Jesus at family get-togethers are eternal. And you might suffer a little bit and be labeled a little radical. But can I tell you, I'm looking forward to a radical year. I'm looking forward to a radical year. And we're going to unpack that over the next several weeks of what that looks like. But I think that we're all in such a place that it's like, you know what, I'm just about fed up enough that I'm willing to let God change everything that I see. I'm willing to let God change my perspective and set my eyes on eternity. And that's going to make all the difference in the world. Will you pray with me? God, it's a sobering thought to think that we all have a lifetime ahead of us. When the reality is that none of us in here knows whether or not we even have tomorrow. That every single day of our lives, we are one breath away from eternity. And God, we can become so caught up in the things of this world, our struggles, our mountains and valleys, our highs and lows, everything, God, with our families, our marriages, our health, our finances, we get so hung up on the here and now. And God, it leads us to a place where we just become so fed up with it. But we want you to change our hearts, God. Help us to change and be transformed into the people that you've called us to be. Set our eyes on eternity, God. And help us to realize that there is so much more than this life that we're living. I just want to ask you as we're in prayer this morning. Maybe you're here and you'd say, 
I know that I focus too much on the here and now. I know that sometimes my, my, my focus is too much on the things that I have to deal with right here in this place in this time. But I really want God to set my eyes on eternity. If that's you, I want to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you. I really want to have God set my eyes. I, I want to reach the point of being so fed up with the things of this world that I'm changed, I'm transformed. And the only thing that matters to me is my relationship with Jesus and my eternity and the eternity of those around me. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand as we close in prayer together? You know, as I was preparing for this service, I really felt like this is an important time for us culturally. We're looking at the new year. We're looking at the prospects of things ahead of us. As I said before, maybe you're in the place of thinking, I'm a little pessimistic about what this year might have to offer. But if we take this moment on this very first Sunday of 2022 and we covenant with God and we say, Lord, I choose that this is going to be a radical year for me. That this is going to be a year where you're going to set my eyes on eternity and the things that really matter most and get my eyes off of things that don't matter. And I know this whole year itself is a big thing, but even just today to say, God, set my eyes on you today. Set my eyes on what you're doing today right in front of me. And so I want to lead you in a prayer and it's yours to pray whether you want to follow with us or not, but a prayer of dedication to say, God, I want to be committed to you in this year to be in the place where you can move radically in my life and set my eyes on eternity. I want to live like the only thing that matters is the life that's still to come. So I want to ask you to pray this with me. And we're going to commit this year to God and say, Lord, have a radical year through us. So pray this with me. Father in heaven, make this a radical year where I see all of your plans for my life and delight in following you into anything that you call me to be. Direct my life and direct my steps. I covenant with you, God, to be your child and to give you glory. In Jesus' name. God, we give you glory in all of things. Everything that we face, God, we want it to be for your glory. And God, I pray that you would use this year to shake us out of our comfort zones to become a people who are so radically saved and so radically different that we're willing to live out loud, even if it causes us to be ridiculed or slandered, if people don't understand us, if people come against us. Lord, we would not let that deter us from getting to the place of saying, I want to live like the only thing that matters is eternity. God, set our eyes on the things that are eternal, not just for us, but for our family members and for our neighbors and for our co-workers and for our friends. And God, give us such a radical faith and a radical boldness that even though we fear making things uncomfortable by inviting somebody to church, we're telling them about Jesus, that we would be so bold as to go out and say, I'm going to do this because their eternity matters. God, I pray that we would not shy away from the pain and suffering just like you didn't. That we would have the attitude of Christ. That whatever it costs us to get beyond this world and be transformed and to live for eternity, we're willing to do it for your glory. 
And so God, I pray that as you send us out today, that you would help us to display your goodness to the world around us, to be Jesus to those who do not yet know you. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're going into your mission field. Tell somebody about Jesus today without saying a word or with being very blunt. Tell them, pray with your waiter or waitress today. Do something to display the love of Jesus and get this radical year kicked off. Love you. Have a wonderful day and fellowship together in the love of Jesus.